Good morning. It is so good to be with you. I missed being with you last week. We were with our boys in Kansas City, and we're trying to reimagine what God has in store for us. That's what this series is about. That's what Jonah is going to help us with. And you're going to hear over the next four weeks, uh, not about logos or, or even paying off the debt or, or you know, building stuff. You're going to hear about how God is working in the lives of people. People right here. Every single week, you're going to hear a new story of what God is doing. And I am so excited. It's reimagining. So, all right, Jonah's going to help us. Jonah is a minor prophet. It is called minor prophets, not because they are lesser prophets. Don't think of the minor prophets as like uh, major league minor leagues in baseball. You know, I don't, you know, minor leagues is worse. Major leagues is better. You know, although I don't know that the Tigers have figured that all out yet. But, but that's what it means in baseball, but not in the Bible. Minor is just shorter. And so it's not lesser, it's just shorter. Um, so the book of Jonah only has four chapters. You could, you could read it in probably 15 minutes, the entire, the entire book. It's just shorter. And if you, if you have your Bible, if you have a paper Bible like this, you know, you can go and you get to, you know, Hosea, and, and if you get to Obadiah, it's the next one. If you get to Micah, you've gone too far. Jonah's right in the middle there. And you know the story of Jonah. It's probably the most familiar of all the minor prophets. Probably if we went into our, our, our children's area, probably every single one of our kids would be able to tell you the story of Jonah. They know that in verse 2, chapter 1, uh, God came to Jonah and said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come before me. And they all know what verse 3 says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. We all know that. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. Nineveh was, was the, the capital city of their enemy. It was, it was uh, they hated Nineveh. Everybody that Jonah knew hated Nineveh. Nineveh is terrible. Nineveh, boo, Nineveh. It's terrible. Go, go, and, and go to Nineveh? Warn them of impending doom? No, send the doom. That's what they would have wanted to say. We're going to have a party when you send the doom. Finally, 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 God is sending the doom to Nineveh. Nineveh is horrible. God, I don't want to go to Nineveh. And you know what happens. You know, God says go. Jonah says no. And so he hops on a boat, heading as far away from Nineveh as he possibly can get. And as you know, the great big whale, fish, whatever, they throw him overboard. He gets gobbled up. He prays a prayer. That's chapter three. We'll be, or we'll pray chapter two. We'll be there next week. And, 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 and God hears that prayer and the, and the big fish up chucks him onto dry land, proving he can't keep a good man down. That's just a bad joke. That's chapter, then chapter three, he goes to Nineveh, you know, preaches a whale of a sermon. These keep on coming, you know, they just, one after another. People turn, which is surprising, really. Again, Nineveh, there was this evil, rotten, horrible place, and yet they repent. Jonah's from the northern kingdom of Israel. Nineveh, uh, the, the Assyrians are going to eventually wipe out the northern kingdom of, of Israel. Uh, and the reason, the reason that happens is because the northern kingdom of Israel refused to repent. And here their sworn enemies are repenting. It was a, it was a powerful message, the, the message of Jonah is, listen, look what's happening there. And look around you. 
You say you're all holy, that you're almighty. They're the terrible enemies, but look what happened there. We're going to get there. That's, that's, that's three weeks. And then, of course, and then what's crazy is that Jonah is mad about it. Oh, I knew you were going to do that anyway, Lord. That's why you said me. That's chapter four. We're going to get there. So this whole book, the whole book, I suppose if you were to take it as a whole, you'd say, well, what does this book teach us? It teaches us, it teaches us a lesson I've learned during the pandemic, that's for sure, is that people are crazy. No, they just respond in such bizarre manners. And that's Jonah, that shows us that. But it also shows us that God is extremely patient. He's been certainly patient with me. And I'm sure that you would say he's been patient with you. Well, the big lesson from Jonah, this first chapter, is that God loves everybody. If God loves the Ninevites, for crying out loud, then God, God surely loves every, anybody. Again, I told you they were wicked. The Bible tells us they were wicked. The capital city of their enemy, the Ninevites, were known to, to, to be brutal. They not, not only would conquer a country, but they would brutalize, they would terrorize those people. The prophet Nahum says that they plotted evil, that they were cruel and plundering, that they were uh, endorsing prostitution and witchcraft. Evil. Evil, evil, evil. You know, Sodom and Gomorrah type of evil. God, send them, send them, uh, you know, fire and brimstone. No, he sent them Jonah. It shows us that God loves everybody. And the fact of the matter is, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, and you know this already, Jesus said, love your enemies, that we've got to love everybody too. That's, that's point number one, right? We're connecting people to Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. We've got to love everybody. How are they going to know Jesus if we don't love them? You know, if we, if we, if we uh, throw up our fists or picket signs or whatever else, shout and holler and, and yell at them, do you think that's going to show them that, that Jesus loves them? No, how are we going to love that? We've got to love them. We've got to, we've got, and how do you love them? It's more than just saying it. That's easy. My dad used to say, you know, talk is cheap, and he's right. It's showing it. Showing you love people. How do you show people you love people? Well, you, you do the things that Jesus told us to do. You, you, you care for the poor. You, you reach out. You're there for people. Sometimes it's just sitting with people. Sometimes you don't have to have the answers. I don't have the answers always. Sometimes it's just sitting with people and being with people and, and letting them know that you're there, that you're a friend. That's what we're talking about here. So Jonah, the, the first big, big, big lesson is if God could love the Ninevites, uh, we better love everybody. The second big lesson is, is again, it's one, one that you already know. We have a choice. Jonah had a choice. It's simple. It wasn't, it wasn't complicated. A, go to Nineveh. B, don't. There was no C and D. God told him to go to, to Nineveh. He says, no, I want to go to Tarshish. It'd be like if God said, go to Hoboken, New Jersey, and you said, no, I want to go to San Diego. And it makes a lot of sense. San Diego's beautiful. Hoboken, have you been to Hoboken, New Jersey? If you're, if you're watching online from Hoboken, New Jersey, I apologize. Not really. Have you been to Hoboken, New Jersey? It's not great. Nineveh wasn't great. Nineveh was a big city. 
One of the largest cities in the known world at that time, no doubt had big city problems, crime and poverty and all the other things that go along with big cities, especially, uh, uh, you know, seven, eight centuries BC. But Tarshish, Tarshish was on the, Tarshish was on the, uh, the, the, the coast of Spain. Tarshish was beautiful. Tarshish was, Tarshish was the place to be. If you were to pick a vacation spot, you would not pick a Boken. No, you would want San Diego. Have you been to the zoo? Have you seen the beaches? Tarshish, ah, probably have shuffleboard. It's a place to retire. There's only one real problem with Tarshish. God said, go to Nineveh. You all, we all know. You don't need me to tell you this. You all know that God knows what's best for us, right? We, I, I don't have to preach on that. You know that. That God, God knows what's best for you. God knows where, where you can best serve him. You, God knows where you can make the biggest difference. We all know, I, we quote all the time, right? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I ended my book. I ended the, the book, the Got Cancer book. That's the last verse, the last words of that book is Jeremiah 29, 11. I was trying to think, how, what's the best, most encouraging thing I can say to someone that has cancer? The best and most encouraging thing I can say is, hey, God's gotcha. And, and, and I know the plans I have for you. And it includes a future, even when diagnosed with cancer. Commercial time. This Wednesday, I'm going to start a book study on that book. And so... Uh, you know, if you would like to come, you don't have to even have read the book. We're going to just talk about some of those topics. And so that'll be this Wednesday. We'll be starting. Okay, commercial over. We go to that verse all the time. Why? Because we know God's got it. Listen, a basketball in the hands of, I don't know, Steph Curry, Michael Jordan, is worth far more than a basketball in my hands. A baseball in the hands of, of Justin Verlander is worth far more than a baseball in my hands. In much in the same way, my life in the hands of the Almighty, where he wants me, exactly in the spot, is worth far more than my life in my own hands, in my own way, where I'm going. I can accomplish far more when I'm in the master's hands than when I think I can handle it all in my hands. Does that make sense? But so often we say, oh, but Tarshish, God, Tarshish, I was going to say, and when I was writing the sermon, I was going to say, it's in Nineveh, it's in Nineveh where we're the happiest. But you know, that's not true. Sometimes we can be exactly where God wants us, and happy, happy is kind of a passing thing. Happy is a surface level. Happy is, is determined by, you know, maybe what I ate last night, or how the, how the, the game went, or how the evening went or whatever how our, our spouse was how our school was all those things happy is determined like that but no god god wants us when we're exactly where god wants us in his hands it, it, it may not be happy 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 but it brings a deep peace there is a there is a a, a, a deep and lasting purpose and fulfillment when you know you're exactly where God wants you, doing exactly what God would have you to do. 
That brings a deep satisfaction. So God may come to you and say, hey, big plans, go to Nineveh. Now for you, go to Nineveh might sound like, hey, teach the junior boys Sunday school class. Ah, that's scarier than Nineveh. (laughs) Your Nineveh might be, lead a small group. Your Nineveh might be, join the choir. Your Nineveh might be, help out at Carriage Town. Go to Dillon Elementary and volunteer. Uh, Volunteer with Reconnections. Your Nineveh might sound like any of those things. And you say, wait a minute, God, I don't even like kids. I don't want to go to Dillon, are you kidding me? I don't, I don't want to go on a mission trip. I get, I get nervous when I go to, you know, Swartz Creek, whatever. I, I don't want. You have a choice. I guess lesson number one from this book is God loves everybody. Connect people to Jesus. Number two is we have a choice. I think a third lesson from, from Jonah in this first chapter is that we can, we, can, we can try to hide from God. Maybe that's a lesson. We can, but you can't. You can't. You can't hide from God. I've known people who have, who have uh, run from God, who have gotten upset and tried to, tried to eliminate God from their life. You've known people like that. But God knows exactly where we are. God knows exactly what's going on. God knows what you did last night. God knows what you said to your spouse or to your teacher or to your boss or under your breath. You, we can't hide from God. Of course, you know that. There's, there's, where, where are you going to go? We can run. We can try. We can be like Job's wife. You know, what is what Job's wife to her? Curse God and die. <laughs> Thank you, honey. Thank you very much. We can do that. Of course we can. But where are you going to go? God knows you. God knows everything that's going on in your life. You can't fool him. You, know, you can fool me. You can't fool God. Uh, you know, you can post things on Facebook, post Bible verses on, on Facebook, and, and do crazy, stupid, idiotic, sinful things. God knows what's going on. God, God knows your life. What did Jesus say? By your fruit, by your fruit, you will, you will, you will be known. What's a fruit? Well, it's not what you put on Facebook. What your fruit is, how are you caring for your neighbor? What your fruit is, be the best neighbor. What your fruit is, you know, are you caring for orphans and widows? What's your fruit? Are you, are you kind? Are you generous? Are you loving? Are you, are, you, are you being the people that God called us to be? You can't fool God. You can't run away from God. Jonah should have known that. He was a prophet. Right? He should have known. If anybody should have known, it should have been Nona. Jonah. Nona. Nona's his wife. It should have been Jonah. You can't run from God. And maybe the last lesson, maybe the, 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 the biggest point, is, is for us today anyway, is, is what happened between Jonah and the sailors. Do you remember that? And so Jonah goes to the sailors. There's, he's in the middle of the, the boat. There's a huge storm going on. Jonah knows he's running away from God. And he says, pick me up, throw me into the sea, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. How, I don't know, stubborn? Is that the word? Is how self-focused? How, 
dumb? I don't know what word to use. Can it be to know you're the cause of what's going on and the answer is just following in the, the direction that, that, that you want? How, how stubborn, bullheaded do you have to be to say, just throw me in the sea. I'd rather die than, do, do, than, than go there. All Jonah had to do to calm everything down was say, boys, man, I made a big mistake. And, and I need to be, I don't need to be not in Tarshish. I need to be in Nineveh. We got to turn this boat around. Turn the boat around, boom, done. But that's not what he says. Pastor, is there other, other stubborn people like that? Are you kidding me? You should read my emails. Yes, I know so many people that, that know, they know exactly what God would have them to do. But they refuse to do it for whatever reason. They know they need to apologize. They refuse to do it. They know they need to forgive. They say, there is no way I'm going to forgive them. Instead, I'm going to be miserable. Why would you choose to be miserable? Why would you choose to be, to be stuck? Why would you choose to be uh, thrown overboard when you can experience the joy of the Lord? But people do it all the time. And those sailors, those sailors, they didn't want to do it. Verse 13 of, 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 of that passage in, in chapter, chapter one says this, instead, so he, Jonah says, throw me overboard. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they couldn't, for the sea grew even wilder than before, or temptuous as before. Those sailors, they wanted to do, you know, they wanted to come alongside Jonah. They wanted to help Jonah. Listen, man, throw me overboard. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to help you. We're going to get you to where you need to go. I think that's a good lesson for us. If there's four lessons, first, look, God loves everybody, and and we have a choice as to if we're going to follow God's direction and will. And, and, and you can't hide from God. We can't fool God. But this last one is we need, we really do need to help each other. You know, we're, we're, not, called to, we're not called to be lone rangers. What's the second point? You know, connecting people to Jesus. Jesus changes everything. Second point, growing together. We need to grow together. What does that mean? Well, it means that nobody has made it. All of us have issues. You know, we sometimes try to hide them, but we all got them. And we need everybody. We need our seniors. We need our young people. We need, we need our teenagers. We need our young marrieds. We need everybody. We need everybody. We need everybody to be the church. Everybody has something to contribute, and everyone will be benefited by their contribution. That's what we need. Oh, Pastor, it's a big church. You don't need me. Yes, we do. There are so many. Every single area in our church needs people to, to, to volunteer. Every single area. We could have, honestly, John, we could have probably 10. We could have 20 more small groups. And, and you could be a small group leader. Oh, I could never be a small group leader. I can't open up my home. You could, you could team up with somebody where you would be like one week, one month at, at their house and the next month at somebody else's house and the next month at your mom. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. We need 20. Every single area in our church, children's ministry, youth ministries, every area, we could use more people to help. You can help us. Bottom line, we need each other. We've got a great story of a family that experienced uh, what it means to be part of a community where we're helping each other. Why don't you watch this video?
My name is Jason Chapin, and I've been at Central since I was real little. This is my wife, Christy, and her and I met here in 2001 and uh, have been here ever since. We have two boys. Tyler is 16 and Connor is 11. And back in January, Tyler woke up and ended up having a seizure. Rushed him to the hospital. Um, it was a long day of testing with doing an EEG and waiting for the test results. Then he was diagnosed with um, epilepsy. So that's kind of changed our world a little bit, but um, we're just continuing to trust God and move forward every day with our new normal. When I had my episodes, I felt support through the church in many different ways. I had, I got texts from like Pastor Amanda and Pastor Joey, Pastor Tyler. I remember when I was laying down in the hospital bed, my mom told me that um, the church whole staff prayed for me and I came back to church for a Wednesday night thing. It was either the day after or two days after. And when I walked into the church, everyone like asked like how I was doing and it made me feel like very comforting, like very loved. I just remember I was really nervous for Tyler to go back to school after he'd been diagnosed. It took a couple weeks to get going back to school. The day he was supposed to go back, like we would get text messages from some of our friends, you know, or phone calls, you know, just say, hey, you know, we're going, we know Tyler's going back to school today. We're praying for you. We're praying for him. I think it's important for people to take the time and invest uh, their lives into the church as a community uh, to uh, make the effort to um, let yourself be vulnerable enough to come in and, and to begin to build relationships, to begin to build that network within the church and let it grow as you grow. Interaction with people and people caring for you, you begin to have that, that feeling, the, the safety net around you, the, uh, the ability to share your issues with people and to begin to be able to talk to people and work through your own issues. And then as I've found in my life, as I begin to uh, focus on other people and try to serve other people, it's amazing how the Lord uses that to heal me. In seventh grade, I started playing drums for the Trek Band, and I did that in eighth grade. And then I started playing drums in ninth grade for the Peak Band, and I've been doing that up until now where I'm still drumming. I play drums for Joel on Sundays sometimes, and then a couple years ago I started working with Jordan and the tech team doing stuff as simple as making um, lyric slides or switching a camera angle, um, you see how it all comes together. And seeing on Sunday morning, looking out at all the people, um, all of them like hands raised and just singing and worshiping and them all being moved, it's an amazing sight to see. My hope for our children um, when they go on to the next level of their life uh, out of our household and into, on their own is that they continue the same passion that they have of serving Christ and in uh, serving their church. If I could encourage parents, I would encourage them to um, get their kids involved, bring them to you know Sunday school and uh, the Wednesday night activities or the youth group activities, and encourage them to um, serve and be part of the community of the church. Um, it's amazing to watch them grow as they serve and have a passion for coming to church and being around the community of believers and um, wanting to continue to grow. I love that story. I love that family um, and the example they give us of, of saying yes, of joining in on what God is doing. We hear the story of Jonah 
and that tension he felt just to say yes to what God was calling him to. You know, Tyler didn't talk about this in the video, but one of Tyler's big passions is he's in the marching band at, at Davison High School. He's on the drum line. And I, and I know, and I've heard Tyler play drums by himself. It sounds really cool. And if you hear a trumpet by itself, it sounds really cool, or a trombone, or a flute. On their own, those instruments sound really cool. But something special happens when the marching band comes together. When all of those instruments come together to do their part, to sync up, uh, it, it, it goes from just instruments playing to this beautiful music. See, that's what God wants for us here. For everyone to say yes, everyone to come together and do their part so that we can be the people in the church that God wants us to be. What is God calling you to today? What is God inviting you to do, to do your part, to say yes to Jesus? I'm excited for this series that we're going to spend the next uh, three weeks still, still diving into the story of Jonah and asking some questions. And so I hope you'd come back and join us. If you are new here or you're new in the last several months, right after the 11 o'clock service this morning, we're going to have something that we call pastor's chat. If you want to know how to get more involved, just learn a little bit more about us as a church, I would invite you. It's right out these doors in room 16. There's free lunch. We won't take too long. I know the Lions play at one, so we'll get you out of there as quick as we can. But we would love to have you join us this, this afternoon, right after the 11 o'clock service for Pastor's Chat. Uh, it'll be a great way to help get you connected. Thanks for being here this morning. Thanks for taking time to worship and to be formed so that we can be the people, so we can say yes and be the people that God is calling us to be. Have a great Sunday.